There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. As more people rely on ready-made meals, growing your food is quickly becoming a dying skill. It's pretty wild to think that not many people know how to or where to grow a carrot in the backyard. Sarah Rani accidentally stumbled upon this gap in the market after pushing herself to complete burnout from her job in community services. For Sarah, she picked up a hobby out of necessity. She turned it into a side hustle, which eventually became her full-time business. And it's called In My Patch. Sarah's growing her business by helping others grow their veggies. It's a digital platform for beginners, or the Garden Morons Club, as she affectionately calls them. And Sarah's digital presence is what every small business owner should be trying to achieve. With over 260,000 on TikTok and 100,000 on Instagram, the community is huge and is growing. My chat with Sarah is an opportunity for you to hear how I think she can take In My Patch to the next level, to scale the business from cottage beginnings to a digital gardening empire. So let's get into it. So Rani, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely excited to chat with you. So you're over in WA now. What's it been like over there? Uh, Do you know what? We have been super lucky so far. Sort of life is normal, but, but also not. Life is normal. Now, I, I, we're going to talk about gardens um, or gardening. My dad's a mad gardener, um, you know, typical Greek. You know, you've got to grow your own spinach and uh, your herbs and your tomatoes and those sorts of things. Didn't have much interest in when I was a kid. But uh, funnily enough, uh, as soon as I got to an age where I had my own backyard, I started growing my own herbs and my own tomatoes and spinach and uh, and I've become a bit fanatical about You're it. You're kidding me. Oh, and that gets me so excited. no, no. no. <laughs> Had had to learn it on the way, of course. I uh, made lots of mistakes, and uh, and I'm always trying to read about it. And but I'd like to know how the hell you got into this stuff. Yeah, totally by accident. I think um, I've always wanted to eat healthy, so eating healthy has always been pretty important to me. I always, you know, bought my veggies from um, like organic shops and and small produce shops, and tried to go lo- like local where possible. But really, I found my, my background's actually in community services. So um, my whole adult life, I spent working in the community. So supporting people with disability, mental health, um, supporting carers, pretty much all, all different things to do with community services. Um, and I actually, the last part of my career, I actually found myself really quite, quite burnt out and stressed out. Um, so I kind of turned to the garden as a bit of a hobby, like a bit of a relaxing 
sort of thing to do after work instead of like cracking a wine and <laughs> having a little drink um, or too much to drink, heading to the garden instead and spending time in the garden. I just fell in love with it, got excited about growing food. And then I thought like people are missing out by not growing their own. And that's sort of what leaped me into starting my, my online page I guess was I just wanted to inspire other people to grow food why does a hobby work for you like because I mean a lot of people look at gardening as boring yeah um you know they'd rather just go to Woolworths or whatever it is um and uh they, they just can't see the, the they can't see the practicality of it or, or they can't see the the functionality of it yeah. why does it help you I think it was almost oh, for me anyway I can't speak for other people but for me it was almost meditative like you're you're like really in the in the moment and you're focusing in on particular things or you're looking at things, you're touching things. So it can be, I guess, quite sensory. I think that's probably the word. Um, but also, I guess, a sense of satisfaction when you actually do get to eat something that you've grown. And I guess if you're someone who likes eating, like if you like food, then growing your own food is definitely a good way to go because it tastes so much better. I don't know if you've noticed that from eating the food from your own veggie patch as opposed to the supermarket, it's like there's no comparison, I feel. I, I feel sad going shopping sometimes <laughs> if I do need to pick up some um, some veggies because I just think a lot of the veggies we eat from the supermarket kind of feels a little sad. <laughs> that word sensory is really important word, I think. There's a, a mystical uh, event in a sensory sense in the garden too for me because uh, there's a wonder of watching something turn from a flower and maybe seeing a bee in there and then the bee pollinates and that flower then sort of drops off and the middle part of the flower turns into a tomato or something along those lines. There's a sort of a, a mysticism of physics. I mean, I, I can be really sort of shitty from my week. Yeah. It immediately makes me run away or escape or park Whatever it is that was giving me the shits, it just completely takes over. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like the, you know, I find spending time in the garden, even just the veggie patch, if I am feeling um, stressed or, or worried about something, it does just tend to slip away for a little minute because you really are honed in on what's happening. You know, before I came on the podcast, like, sure, you get a little, little bit of nerves. And I went in the garden for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and gave it a little water. And I just feel, a little more zen. And this might sound a bit weird, okay, but like uh, my garden is my friend uh, and i got lots of friends in the garden. Um, and, uh, you know, I look after some of my plants like babies. Yesterday I have a farm up in northern New South Wales and I have a pine forest in the farm that was planted, a hoop pine forest, which was planted by the original person who got the grant of land by the state government back in the 1890s or whatever it was. And this individual planted a hoop pine forest. Why? I don't know. He might have been trying to produce timber. And there is one hoop pine in that forest today, which is not far from my house, which is about 100 foot tall and is at least 100 years wow. old. And it's all been eaten out. And I was worried that it was going to fall and maybe hurt somebody. So I went through a whole series of people, called them in, to look at this pine and uh, tell me what to do, and eventually I got onto the you know the guy that everyone recommended. He's the, the you know the king of this stuff, and um, normally cuts trees down and uh, is an arborist. And uh, he said, "Mark," I said, "And what would you do?" And he said, "Mark, I wouldn't cut it down." And to be honest, I was so relieved to know that he told me that this pine 
whilst it is 100 years plus old, he's got great foliage, he said, and it, I won't get into all the technical stuff, he said, but it's been fighting back for the last probably 10 years. And he said, it looks like it's winning wow. the fight. And I sort of thought, wow, I can't cut down a tree that's been fighting back and is doing it successfully. And actually filled, filled me up with a, a great feeling at the end of my day. I was talking to the guy in my driving on the way home from work and it actually made my day. I said to the guy, listen, mate, I normally expect you to come and tell me it's going to cost five grand to pull this yeah. tree down. But what you've told me is that this thing should stay. I individualize these plants and they sort of like become part of my community, become my mates. <laughs> um, do you sort of experience the same no. thing? Sounds a bit weird, I know. I, I, I love my garden. Wow. I absolutely love all of the individuals in my garden. I get quite upset when something happens. Wow. I'm so surprised, Mark. I never, I mean, I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I never would have picked you as a veggie garden man. And not just because I'm an old grandpa either, Greek grandpa, it's because <laughs> I love my garden. Yeah, well, gardening or growing food's not for, for old people. I think that's just one of the stigmas about gardening is people think it's boring and people think mm. it's for um, older people for when you retire, but it can definitely be for everybody. But to answer your question, no, I don't have <laughs> friends in the garden, but I um, I did like you get attached to a pretty big tree at my house, um, which unfortunately for me did have to get removed. And I cried like a lot of times. Do you think they have senses? Do you think they can sense our presence? Do you, do you think that there's something going on in a physics sense? Oh, you know what? I'm not a sciencey person. I, I don't know. I actually did a post on this the other day about, um, you know, asking the question, do you think, talking lovingly to your plants helps them grow. And 90% of the people, or even like 99% of the people that replied said, absolutely, it's true that plants do pick it up and, and do like to be like touched and <laughs> interacted with like living things. I don't know whether it's true or not true, but like uh, my own survey is that I'm not saying they have a brain or anything along those lines. That would be stupid. But um, I, I think that they they do respond in a – energetic sense in the sense of energy and also the more you spend time you spend in the garden the more you get out of it yeah. um but also the more things that you see that can be done to uh, to assist the garden well let's just move on to what you do in relation to in my patch um i have to compliment you um your website is brilliant really? uh, um, thank you that means the world to yeah me. really thank good. you it's it's brilliant i mean and i know one no wonder you're doing so well but um Let's just move through when was the moment you decided to start to share what you're doing in the vegetable environment? Yeah, so it's been quite a little, uh, quite a quite a while now. So originally, like I said, it was just a hobby. So this is probably going back about five years ago that I started my veggie garden at home. I just started, once I started harvesting my own food, like I, I've never been big on social media, didn't have a Facebook account. My Instagram account was just, private and I didn't really share my weekend I'm not a big sharer but I actually started wanting to share like my successes like wow look at this cauliflower uh, and I started posting pictures on my personal page to my friends and family and no one cared no one was really into it so <laughs> I um I found the Instagram community the gardening Instagram community and just started as a way to wanting to actually inspire people to grow food because I thought I'm self-taught, I'm not a gardener, and I thought if I can do this, or I work full-time, if I can do this and grow great food, then other people can too. And I, it started with just wanting to inspire people. 
Um, I guess over time and as my social media grew and I became more confident in the garden, I thought I want to help people. And because I came from a place of being a beginner myself, I thought I can make this easier. Like gardening can come across as really complicated and gardening books can seem complicated. And so I wanted to simplify it. And, you know, millions of people try to grow food every year and they fail and they give up and I wanted them to succeed. So that's when I launched my first ebook um, that I put together. And I guess once I started getting feedback from that and how it helped people and getting tagged in photos, like it's really simple. It, it's a really sim- it was a really simple book. And that they come from my own experience. So I haven't jumped on Google and then just copied it in a book. They've come from my years of learning in my own garden. Um, I just loved it. And then I guess as time went on, it just sort of evolved um, as I got more feedback from people online and lots of questions. I thought, okay, I might do like a little short course. So I, this was at the time a, totally a side hustle. So I was working four days a week. Um, and doing my social media, writing my book and did my mini courses um, on the weekends, on public holidays. Um, Basically, every chance I get, I was either making content or um, writing my book or working on the website. Those courses got really great feedback. Um, My husband actually said to me, you really love this. Like, I loved seeing my customers succeeding. And he's like, why don't you do a membership? And I was like, like a subscription-based model where people can pay you per month and you help them with videos each month or something like that. And at the time that felt terrifying to me because it felt scary. (laughs) For some reason it felt scary. And now it's one of my most favourite things that I do is my, my online, I call it, it's called the Garden Morons Club. And it's about beginner gardeners and helping people grow food week by week which then morphed into my my ultimate beginner course, which I only launched two or three months ago, a start to finish grow your garden, start a veggie patch from start to finish through a whole season. Can we just go back to the uh, the Garden Morons yeah. Club? Is that what it's called? Um, and that, that's a subscription yeah. thing. How do you decide how long the book's going to be? Yeah. What am I going to put in there? Uh, what am I going to write about? What does what is a potential audience are interested in? How did you decide those things? Yeah, that's a really good question. I... Because the core of the whole point of the ebook was to simplify it, I didn't want to just make a garden book layout the same as all the other garden book layouts. I wanted it to be easier. So then I knew I just wanted to separate it between cool weather veggies and warm weather veggies so that there's two seasons instead of complicating it. Um, you can't grow tomatoes, for example, in winter, or you can't grow broccoli in summer. They, they, we could, but they're going to struggle. They're not going to thrive. So for beginners, I just separated it. And then I guess I thought about all the vegetables that I had grown myself. I didn't actually plan it out like how many pages it would be or so much like what the chapters would be. I, th- I guess I thought about the key things I wanted in it. So I wanted to talk about soil I wanted to talk about the different types of veggies and actually like guide people on how to actually grow them with tips. I wanted to talk a bit about garden layout and also pests. Just wrote it all out in in a Word document and then designed it in Canva. So I didn't have like a book design. It wasn't designed in like publisher or anything. I did it in Canva. Obviously Canva is a good tool and you put the content together. Because I don't think an ebook needs to be a Pulitzer Prize winning document because it's not about the literature. 
It's about the content yes. and the pictures and the photos and the relevance and probably importantly with something like this, if you're talking to beginners, is simplicity yes. and honesty. Because you're not a pro at this sort of stuff and it's your first one, there probably was a hell of a lot of honesty came out of it and people love that. When you did the ebook, um, you've done the Gardening Morons Club, the subscription base. I like how that makes um, you giggle when you say it, Mark. I do, well, it does because it, it look and I tell you why it does. It's cute. Some people think you're a, they're a moron when it comes to gardening. I mean, yeah. self-effacing people say that about themselves. I'm just a dope in the garden. Like, and we all tend to be quite critical of ourselves when something doesn't grow or doesn't work. You know, we take the piss out of ourselves a little bit. So I, I think that stuff works to me. That that works. So you've got in my patch, which is like your website. Then off the back of that, your business model is you sell subscriptions to one category of beginners and then there's another one that takes you from beginning to end. Yeah, so I guess um, in my patch is built off my, initially built off my social media and then the website has has been developing over time. And I just want to say I'm so grateful for your feedback on my website. Um, my husband and I made that ourselves. We haven't had any help with anything. We've just been learning on the fly. Well, we, I want to come back to that in the second half. I, I want to talk to you about that because I, I think the visual content is very good. The, the written content is good, but the visual content and the relevance of the visual content, uh, the photography and the way you zoom in, you zoom out, I think that's really good. That's clever. And the fun that you have, you are building an algorithm, by the way, because this is about recipes, recipes to farm. And a recipe is an algorithm. Um, an algorithm is just a fancy word for a recipe. Um, and, uh, you know, like a step-by-step process. And that's what you're building, algorithms, but you're making algorithms in a fun way and you don't even use the word algorithm no. or recipe. You just <laughs> use fun terminology. So we go to the break and come straight back. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm back with Sarah Rainey and we have been talking about In My Patch and building a vegetable garden to some extent, um, which is like one of the things I absolutely love. I mean, I love this conversation. Um, and we've been talking about, well, what I noticed was how natural you are in the videos and uh, that appear on your pages, um, both social and um, website. How did you become so good at it or did you do some training or what do you use as your guidelines to be good in those videos? Honestly, I haven't done any training. I haven't 
been to film school or done any editing class. I haven't even done any short courses in or no, no crash courses on um, videography or anything like that. It's all been learning uh, through trial and error and practice. So, you know, I've been creating content for four years now. It wasn't always video. It was um, when I first jumped on Instagram, it was just photos. It was much more simple back then. Uh, it's sort of morphed now more into video content. That's what makes you good at something by doing it. I guess if you're someone who hasn't started yet, you need not worry what other people think. I didn't jump on and start making videos and, and necessarily care too much what other people thought. I was creating content that came from what I wanted to share with people. I guess over time they became shorter and sharper and um, better quality but they weren't always fast and uh, with movement and my trans transitions weren't always as tight um, if you look at some of my earlier stuff you know they were quite like long and wordy and content evolves over time or video so just explain to me what are the things that you go through in your mind before you do your next video what are the the non-negotiables you know how I'm going to dress how I'm going to look how I'm going to talk to my the camera where do I stand? I don't I don't um, write my videos out, so I don't script them out. Um, any of the videos that I make are me on the fly. Um, obviously, they're edited, but I'll go out with a general gist like, okay, today I'm going to harvest my broad beans, for example. So what is it that is going to make pretty shots? And a lot of the time I will go out there and be in the moment and create the content in the moment without that much thought. But there are key things that I do think about. One is energy. Um, you know, people want to feel good energy and I I guess I'm lucky because the garden does give me such good energy. I'm happy out there. So, you know, I think about what kind of information is going to be helpful. You know, is the video just pretty or is it aspirational? Um, is it entertaining or is it giving information? I might do a video on, okay, this one's going to be like a beginner tip. And I'll do a video on tips and that might be more, more me speaking than music. Um, if it's something that's just aspirational or inspirational, then it tends to have the music aspect, not so much me talking. I used to use, when I started, I was using iMovie. So, you know, I was just clicking it together basically on my phone and it's just sort of evolved where I am using proper editing software for my videos now. So I don't do them in Instagram, for example, or in TikTok. You're better off making them, I feel, externally and then sharing them on the platforms because that way you have the end video yourself, whereas if you make them in the app, they belong to the app. You said something very interesting about having plenty of energy. Like I was just thinking to myself, if I was doing this, I'd, my, I might might not do that. I might say, call myself the cranky gardener. That would probably and, be uh, but, but play the role, <laughs> play the role. You know what I mean? Like it's role yes. playing. Um, it, to some extent, you're you're probably playing a natural role. You're probably naturally the way you come across. But um, And I can actually be naturally cranky too, by the way. But uh, is there an element of performance? Do you think it's important to have an element of performance, consistent performance? I'll look at things like my energy level. So I, if I know, you know, I'm not going to be well on a particular day, I'll make that an editing day. I'm authentic. I'm definitely like authentically myself on my page, in my videos, in all my content. Uh, but I do definitely choose the days where I'm feeling like I have the energy to give <laughs> to other people. You know, social media 
is is a lot of work and it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of energy and being present on there and being available for direct messages and replying to comments and, and being really active. I am I am picky and choosy with with the days that I film for sure. So you've built a fairly good following on Instagram. You've got a really big following on uh, TikTok. I mean, TikTok is uh, sort of taking off, particularly for this your type environment is perfect. Um, you've got your subscription base. Where to from here? What do you want to do? Yeah, from here? well, this is what I wanted like to to talk with you about. So I have my subscription model and my course. I guess there's a few things with it. Do you think it's better to roll with like a subscription model or a standalone product or continue with what I'm doing and roll with both? That's a good question to ask. Many years ago, uh when I was in business with Kerry um, Packer, that is, um, I s- had a similar sort of question to him. And uh, he said, son, don't try and predict in a scientific way anyway, which is the best way of doing something when you're earning income from both outcomes. Right. He said, because markets make those decisions, they'll settle, settle it at 60-40 or 50-50 or 80-20. He said, you'll never have any influence on how the markets decides those, which is the best way to feed your audience. I mean, I'm talking about home loans, but of course you're talking about a different type of audience. And I've never forgotten that bit of advice. Um, so market predictions in terms of market acceptance or what is going to work best for you in the future is something that is an external thing you can't influence and you can't control. So therefore, if it's working at the moment and, you're, and you can feed into both and you have the time to do both, I mean, assuming you don't, you know, it's not sort of killing you, then my advice would be to continue on doing both as you are. Just see what emerges and then as they emerge, let's say, let's say for example, the course becomes the big money spinner and becomes more intense in terms of the demand for that product as opposed to, say, the subscription, then what that means you do is you don't stop doing one, but you just change how you allocate resources to one compared to the other. And you allocate resources, cash or capital or your working capital or staff or whatever the case may be. be, It's going to be money. It's going to be two things. It's going to be human capital, that's people, which you need to employ, and it's going to be money through capital. That's stuff you're either going to borrow or you're going to get an investor or you're going to draw out of your own bank account if you've got it. So there, those two things need to be directed to where the demand is strongest. The point will come to you and uh, you, it'll be obvious, but don't try and make the decision yourself, I don't think. So in way of, to answer your question, in way of where I, I would like in my patch to go, I guess the closest thing that I can kind of explain it to would be, are you familiar with Kayla Istinev? Yeah, I know them well. No, I'm well. They've been on the podcast. Well, that's probably where in my dreams I would like to see it, where she has a community of people for fitness. I would love to have a massive community of people growing food. How I get there, I'm not quite sure. I don't know how you scale to that to that level. So, so far we built in my patch slowly, like tiny little steps and there were, I didn't like set this big goal and then go, right, these are all the things we need to do to get there. It's been very much like little baby steps every day or every week or every year in the right kind of direction to move the bus forward. We're at the point now like we don't have any debt in the business at all. There's things that we'd like to do like maybe um, it's an app or it's a product or like a physical product um, or we need help with marketing. Like sales and marketing is where I feel like I sort of flounder a little bit in trying to market a digital product I don't know if I should be pretending it's a physical product I feel like a physical product can be easier to market 
than a digital product. That's a good point. If you're talking about scaling your business, my question to you is what is the product you want to scale using digital platforms? So is the product right now your courses and is the product right now your subscription? Or are you talking about launching a, a physical product like selling people, you know, seeds? How do you decide whether that's a risk worth taking? Because at the moment we're, we're small, it's just my husband and I. But, yeah, how do, we, how do we do the things we want to do in the business without going into debt? Or is debt okay? Debt's definitely okay. Or invest and or, uh, you know, dilution of your shareholding to bring an investor in is definitely okay. But it's only okay under certain circumstances. So, by the way, debt is cheaper at the end of the day than equity. So what I mean by that is it's always cheaper to borrow money and invest that money into your business than it is to give away equity for in return for money um, over time. It's always cheaper. But not always can you get debt. So sometimes, you know, you can't go and borrow money because um, they don't want to lend you the money for whatever the reason is. Banks don't want to lend the money, whatever the case may be. And your only alternative is to get equity, that is to find investors. But before you can do either one, um, and you just mentioned, you know, should you launch an app? An app is just allowing a user to access the product through the app as opposed to having it through the website. I mean, right now you seem to be pretty successful getting subscribers into your website whether or not you'll be more successful using an app to get people to access your products instead of going through the website, instead of, you know, Google, you know searching you and going into your – finding you on your website. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know Sarah Rainey and I want to go and buy her product, that is her courses and or her – subscribe to her morons course, um, morons <laughs> thing. Um, or it might be easier for me to download an app from the App Store and uh, have that always on my mobile phone. And I can um, listen to what she's got to say through my, my mobile phone, but by use, again using her courses. The app's not that they're not app's not expensive to do produce. To be honest with you, it's not that expensive to do. What is expensive is all the stuff in the back end, and that relates to the product, of course. And the product question that I asked you earlier: Are you happy that your product is your digital is the product that you have on the digital platform that is yes. courses and the courses are about growing a garden growing a garden and uh, and me paying for it so and then you you could sell those courses scale up your business by selling those courses through your app the question is will the app scale up your business and what do i need what other things do i need to scale up my business so you need a you probably need a head of digital in your business you or you may need to employ some people which may mean need mean you need to borrow some money or raise some money because you've got to get the right individuals. You may need a, someone to run the marketing of your business who will also – you might need somebody to sit at the back of the – to run the technology of your business to make sure there is an app and the app sort of sings well and works well and rolls out properly and that digital person, digital marketing person might be someone who also tells you about how you boost – and how to best boost your stuff on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all those sorts of places to build scale. So building scale is about a product, which I think you've got, um, content, which you're doing a good job of producing now, marketing that content and making sure the functionality that sits behind everything allows people to buy things by credit card and everything works properly in a digital sense. So that's an IT person. That's They're the two things I would be concentrating on perhaps, um, employing two people and IT people, head of technology and digital and a head of marketing. I think the product you've got and then 
I mean, those two people might cost you, I don't know what they're going to 150 grand a year, maybe more. But they might also cost you a little bit of equity. They might want a bit of part of the game, you know, part of the business to really cut them into the deal if you find the right ones after a period of time. Then their brief is to scale the business. And it may well be not even having a bothering about app. It might be just do Google ads, something simple, and driving people to your website. It might be that. Probably would be better having an app because, to be frank with you, it's just more mobile friendly and it's more in my face. It's more present and it's always on my phone. I can always go and look it up. I don't have to go searching for your website and going to your website and looking at what you've got on your website. And the app gives you other opportunities to have other interactions with the users. You want to be able to draw people into a place where, this is a horrible word, but you can sort of trap them in a nice <laughs> sense, um, put them into the funnel, you know, like coming in through the top and then they've got somewhere to go at the bottom of the funnel and an app is very handy for that. Maybe what you need to do is you need to talk to someone who's a consultant on this stuff in the beginning, maybe not go and employ someone so you know who to employ. You don't know what you want. Yeah. And what you want is sort of technical and you maybe you need to talk to a digital marketing organisation and get their advice on it and you're going to have to pay for it. Once you know you talk to digital marketing people, you might need to go and talk to IT consultants and say, look, what do I need in an IT architecture around my business? Then once you, you start to learn the language, you then know what to look for. And you can look for it through your various social mediums. You can put a call out, look, I'm looking for a person on Instagram or wherever. I'm looking for this person. And, you know, you've already got hundreds of thousands of people who will be listening and there may well be one person out there who's an IT person who would love to come and work with you. You've got plenty of way of telling everybody. That's a fabulous help um, because my products at the moment, the Garden Models Club and my course, is where my heart is. Like it's actually helping people grow food, having a physical product to sell Sure, might make me some money, but that's not what the heart of my business is. I like genuinely want to help people to grow food. And the way I can do that is with the products that I already have. I just need to be better at marketing them, I think. And I think you've got to just boost it to a, a broader audience, not just the audience you have now. So it'd be good if you knew who your current customer is in a profiling sense. Do you have a profile on your current users, your current followers? Do you have a profile on your current subscribers, current um, course buyers? Once you profile them, share that profile with the social mediums that we all deal with and ask to buy from them people who fit that profile. Reach out to those individuals through digital marketing. That process, that build process, generally speaking, requires either a media buyer or alternatively it may require somebody who can advise you on this stuff. And you know, a lot of the big Digital marketing organizations can do that or there's digital marketing individuals who can do that too. And I, and I think too, you know, you're, you're on digital at the moment, but I actually think, to be frank with you, without being um, a bit weird, you, you come across as someone who could do a really good job with your business in traditional market, uh, media environments. Right. I think you would be great a beginner startup podcast. My husband's actually been encouraging me to do a podcast for ages. Well, I think you'd be brilliant at it. All of a sudden you've got a whole lot of material that you then can then put onto your TikTok and Instagram and various other places that you operate. You're filming once, you're sharing it on you know, YouTube, um, you're sharing it on a podcast or vodcast. You've got the material to share on your Instagram and your website and your app. It's going to be a lot of about you, by the way. If at some stage you then get approached by a TV company like Foxtel or Channel 9 or Channel 7, you know that you're having the effect that you want to have because I actually can, could see you doing something like that as well, which then would be perfect because then you can drive a bigger audience that someone else is paying for back 
into in my patch. And you've got to be very strategic and purposeful about this and step it out. Like you've stepped out to where you got to today. You've done a great job, really, being prepared to step it out over the next 10 years and you may well end up there or somewhere close to there as to what you aspire to. But you're going to need a few people, I think. Um, It's going to be about human capital. You can't do it all on your own. No, you can't. You, you look, you can try and be lean. Yeah, well, by the way, it's not if you're making good money now and it's giving you a good living and you're happy. You know, like sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. Um, you know, like what Kayla's done, she comes across as really chilled and relaxed, but I'm sure it's had enormous impact and impost on her and her relationship and her family to get to the greatness that she got to. You know, those things don't come without a cost. There's a big cost in those things. So sometimes we've got to, as I said, we've got to be careful what we wish for. But if you really aspire to that and, you know, you've got to sit down with your husband and think that through, and as I said, it comes at a cost, at a personal cost because everyone knows who you are um, and the, your privacy sort of disappears a little bit yeah. um, and your life then becomes available for everybody to trade in. You become stock. I mean, I've been through it. You can manage it. It's manageable. It's not that bad, but... Some people, need, you know, you just need to think it through. But I'm sure with patience and time and the right human capital, which requires financial capital to pay for it, and whether you borrow it or you bring investors, it doesn't matter. They're both the same outcome when one's just more easily accessed than the other. And if your story is good, I'm sure investors will come flooding in to back you. But just make sure you are you know exactly what it is you want out of all this. Yeah, I, I want to help people grow food. And I guess to have a bigger impact at the moment, I'm having an impact and a positive impact. I've, you know, I've helped thousands of people to grow food. I'd like to help a million people to grow food. You know, I would like to see food growing. You know, you see those apartment buildings. I think everybody could grow something and I would love to see greenery on every one of those apartment buildings. You don't have to grow everything. You don't have to grow the supermarket like I do. Just a few things, like a handful of things is totally doable and I think that's what I would like to see. You see, you just said something really important. I just want to help people basically have the experience that you're, you're having but in, in a way which is subject to their own constraints. You live in an apartment, it could be a balcony garden, whatever. You didn't say to me, I want to make a, a lot of money. That would be nice. Um, and, and, and maybe I should be clear on this um, maybe what you're talking about when you talk about Kayla it's an as in sweat you're not talking about selling your business for a fortune what you are talking about is having an impact like she did on people training at home you want to have an impact in people's lives therefore it's hard to resist scaling up yes because it's not about necessarily about the money would well, it is it's all you know it would be right. nice you know I've Growing up my, my whole adult life on minimum wage working in community, it would be nice to to have that, but there's also something driving behind it. It's not just about that. Well, on that basis, I'm sure you can raise money through investors. I hate the word mission statement, but it is a good purpose. I mean, helping people experience what you've experienced. <laughs> like most people feel like they don't even want to try because they think they're going to fail. Correct, yeah. Or they think it's going to take too much time. Like, you know, having just one garden bed, like, 10 minutes a day would be plenty to care for one garden bed. Like you don't need a whole garden like what you have probably happening at your farm Um, or like I've got, you know, 13, 14 beds. You don't need that much space. You know, it's not a massive time investment. I think people think you need to spend hours every day in the garden and you you don't. 
I, I'd like to say one thing to you about that because when I do look at your website, it does look like it's like very beautiful and it's like what everyone dreams of. You've got the uh, corrugated iron or whatever that stuff is. The garden beds are raised and there's lots of them and it's all look perfect. But as you say, people live in an apartment, maybe a bit more of that sort of accessibility stuff um, would be good just to make it look like it is in, within right. reach. that's fabulous feedback. I looked at what you do. I can do what you're because I've got yes. the space. But not everybody has the luxury of, um, particularly over in the East States over here, more people live in apartments or townhouses than live in houses. I know West Australia is a bit different. Can I do it? How do I do it? And what do I buy? And where do I buy it from? And where do I buy the seeds? Or do I grow from seed? Or do I go buy seedlings? Or You know, it's interesting you say that point because part of the section in my course is growing in pots and how you do the soil for pots and all that stuff. But maybe I don't get that across very well in my website that it is suitable for that you know, if you're in that situation as well. But apart from that, do you have anything else you want to ask me? Oh, gosh. Do you think it's harder to market a digital product than a physical product or is it in my head? And then how would you go about marketing my membership and my my online course? Because I I don't feel like I do a very good job of that at the moment. I feel like that's my Achilles and sales. I feel like sales is my Achilles. I'm very passive. I haven't, we haven't done any paid ads. Um, mainly because I don't have the marketing or the campaign around. It's, it's, it's all been very soft, gentle, gentle, passive sales. I think you just answered the question. You need to do paid ads. You need to find out what that paid ad looks like. And the great thing about internet or digital marketing is that you don't have to have go out and find a big advertising agency to build your campaign and you put on television and the campaign doesn't work. And you've just wasted a whole lot of money building the production and then and taking up the TV time. Good thing about digital marketing is you can build your own campaigns, try them out, try them yourself, suit, and just make sure you've got the analytics to tell you what's working, what's not working. So a good digital marketing person is not someone who comes and says, Oh, well, you know, we'll design a really fancy campaign. That's okay. But it's about measuring the campaign. So a good digital marketing person knows how to have the install the right tools to build the analytics around what works and then tweak and change the campaign to make sure you get the you optimize the campaign relative to the results you're getting and it's a, a thing you can do by the hour nearly um, so again you I think you need a you need to talk to somebody whether it's in a consultant or an ultimately an employee Someone who's very experienced digital marketing, which is someone who understands the campaign, understands the digital platforms, understands how to um, um, optimize the cost of everything you put on the platforms, and that you know that, and whether it be through Google Ads or whatever it is, um, and then how to do the analytics and how to respond to the analytics really quickly to make sure you optimize the whole game. And the course is fine; it's a product. What you're doing is working. You just got to work out how to boost it. And the person who's going to boost it is the person who knows how to optimize it. And I don't think it's you. Have a look at what you think is a really good campaign now on digital that might have some West Australian roots or South Australian roots and just start to do a bit of research about who uses who and and who can I reach out to to at least do a consult with you. Yeah. Like no one really knows about my brand or or me at all. Like You just need to... 
speed it up a bit more and, as I said, build your network to include, first instance, a digital marketing person who can give you a full suite of advice and then look at potentially talking to an IT person to make sure that once you start these campaigns and they are successful, nothing will break down at the IT level, at the technology level, to make sure that you can deliver what you promise in the campaign. And the rest of it is you acting. Right. Because you've got to be ready for the for the growth. Do a campaign and it's really successful and you get 20,000 people sign up. You've got to have the back end in place. Otherwise, it's a disaster. <laughs> Meltdown. Correct. Sarah Rainey, I really appreciate this discussion on vegetable <laughs> gardens in my patch. I really love it. And it's, it's a great website. You're doing a fantastic job. Um, I want to thank you for coming on today, um, especially from West Australia. Um, hello to all my friends in West Australia. Um, who I haven't seen for a hell of a long time. Um, hopefully uh, I'll be released into your territory at some stage in my life in the next uh, 12 months. So, Rainy, thanks very much for being on my podcast today. Thank you so much. It was so nice to get to chat with you. I really appreciate your time and your advice and I definitely take it on board for sure. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley and production assistants Jonathan Leondis. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.